Blog Talk Radio. And welcome to Intersections Matchmaking's Talk Radio, a monthly holistic lifestyle show focused on the continual evolution into the best versions of our authentic selves. We and our special guests discuss relationships, social dynamics, and health and wellness, each of which contributes to meaningful and fulfilling lives. This is Jess Bina, your host. I'm a former practicing lawyer and the founder of Intersections Matchmaking, the only elite national personalized matchmaking company focused on singles of South Asian descent nationwide in the U.S. I'm very excited to welcome two online dating experts to our show tonight, Dr. Dale Koppel, a Ph.D. who holds degrees in psychology, education, and journalism, has authored The Intelligent Woman's Guide to Online Dating. Julie Spira, an entrepreneur and radio show host, has authored The Perils of Cyber Dating. Comedian Joan Rivers has said of Julie's book, hilariously funny, singles of all ages need to read this book. Welcome, ladies. Thank you for being here. Great to be here. Thank you for having us. Great. As a professional matchmaker and dating coach who assists assist clients with both their offline and online dating, I'm fascinated by insights and perspectives regarding relationships and dating. I've enjoyed reading both of your books and would love to explore some of the insights you share. Dale, let's start here. I found a quote in your book particularly compelling and would like to share it with our listeners and then have you expand. You wrote, it's not just about choosing the site then writing your profile. It's about taking a good, hard look at yourself and deciding whether there are any major decisions you have to make about yourself. I'm talking about your personality, your appearance, your outlook, your goals. You're the one who has to decide whether there are things you truly don't like about yourself. I'm talking about plastic surgery, dental work, an exercise regimen, weight loss, weight gain, therapy, life coaching, antidepressants, electrolysis, quitting smoking, but only if you and only you think it's necessary. If you think it's necessary, get it done before you join an online dating service. There's nothing wrong with saying, this is my one-year plan. At the end of the year, when I've accomplished my personal goals, that's when I'll be ready to join an online dating site. Tell us about that. Well, you know, I feel like there are so many people out there, women especially, who find reasons why they're not meeting Mr. Right or Mr. Right now. And they attribute qualities about themselves that may or may not be true. But I feel like 
if somebody, for example, says, I really need to lose weight, then that's their decision. But why wait to do it if you're making such a big decision about your future? It's I felt I, for example, had um, had terrible teeth, and before I went online, I had dental cosmetic dental surgery. I had caps put on my teeth, and when I met men, one of the first things they would say to me was you have a fabulous smile and i realized that i was i hadn't smiled as much as i was as i was smiling you know after i had worked on on my teeth and i always wondered after the fact whether i would have been so popular as popular as i was had my teeth looked bad now i didn't do it because i because i didn't i did it because i wanted to and thinking about going online and and meeting a man was my incentive. So that was the point I was trying to make. It's okay to think about who you are and who you who you would better be before you take such a giant step. Because I think when you go online and you decide you're going to meet somebody who ideally you're going to spend the rest of your life with, that's a very big step, and, and you should be prepared to do it in many different ways. Okay, thank you for sharing that. And Julie, you wrote, it, you wrote in your book, my position as a cyber dating expert encompassed over 250 dates in my 30s, 40s, and 50s. Tell us about any differences you found dating online in your 30s versus your 40s. Well, I think the biggest difference that I can share with you is that when I first joined an online dating site in 1994, there weren't a lot of people online. There weren't even a lot of people that had email addresses at that time. So there was a huge stigma associated with online dating. And when I first signed up and put up my first profile in 1994, Match.com didn't even exist yet. So I went on love at AOL, and that was my first introduction to online dating. And so the dating pool was much smaller, and I felt embarrassed. And I said, I can't tell anybody I'm doing this. Isn't this supposed to be for losers? So I kept my mouth shut because I really, there really was a certain stigma associated with online dating. Now, if I look at it today, and I look at the online dating industry, and especially if you saw Valentine's Day just last week, every single major media outlet did a piece on online dating. And so to get to have the phone ring constantly for quotes for online dating you know, stories, it's now become a real popular, regular way of living your life. So if you go on a date now, someone will say, oh, you had a date last night. What site did you meet him on? That wouldn't have happened. That wouldn't have happened 15 years ago. Amazing, um, Julie. The people we work with, um, you know, intersections matchmaking works with, tend to be successful, educated, family-oriented, and fit men and women. Are there any particular online sites you tend to recommend for, let's say, 30 and 40-somethings who who tend to meet this demographic? Well. If you look at different sites, one of the most popular sites that really is geared towards marriage-minded singles is eHarmony, and they do a fabulous job because the people that sign up for eHarmony are very committed to the process. They will fill out a very long questionnaire, 
and it's called personality profiling. And if someone's going to take the time to fill out a questionnaire that may take them a half hour and they're going to be paying $30, $40, $50 a month, they are more committed to the process in meeting somebody serious. Right. Dale, did you have any um, any thoughts on that with respect to particular online sites for uh, the kind of demographic I had mentioned? Well, I, um, I'm biased towards Match.com. I, um, I was on Match. That's where I met my Mr. Right. And I had... I had greater success on that side. I had also been on J-Date. But I thought Match offered me a much broader base of men to choose from. And I I wouldn't I did not want to go on eHarmony. I um I considered it. But what I like about Match and the other sites is that you do the picking yourself. I think I would have been frustrated with a site like eHarmony because they do the picking for you, and I would have always been saying to myself, oh, I, you know, who, who was the man that I didn't get to meet? So I, was much, I wanted to be much more in control of my destiny, um, and that's why I preferred Match. Interesting. I love having these different perspectives. Um, but I have to tell you that, that I agree with Dale. I agree with Dale about Match.com. Match.com has gained their position because they really have offered something for everyone. So there are so many couples that meet and get married on Match.com because of their large dating pool. But there's also a lot of people on Match.com that are looking for fun and hooking up. And there's really a little bit of everything. It really does run the gamut. So Match.com is, is, does a terrific job, and it is easy to use. What we're finding now, and this is what I found out when I was um, at the Internet Dating Conference again in January, is that personality profiling has become very, very popular, and a lot of these sites are starting to come up with these questionnaires that eHarmony and Chemistry.com are so well known for. For instance, JDate just launched their color personality test. What color are you? So I took my color test, and I turned out to be yellow. And what that does is it allows the users to engage with the site you know, for more, a longer period of time, and then they tend to spend more time on the site. So people are enjoying these personality tests because they'd like to figure out, well, who am I really compatible with? I don't want to waste six months of my life with the wrong guy. Ah, interesting. You know, and I would also like to say one thing that um, I – I mention when I do workshops is that eHarmony I think is especially good for people who are a little shy about putting themselves out there. I think if you go on a site where you're the one who's going to be choosing, you really want to be the person who's making the first move. And that takes a certain personality. But if you prefer, you know, if you're a little shy or you and I know that's not necessarily what you're pointing out, Julie, but I just wanted to add this in favor of eHarmony, that um, I think it's very good for people who either don't have the time to to be doing it themselves or beyond, you know, the personality profiling um, or who are just basically shy and would like somebody else to do it for them. 
Excellent. Now, Dale, you found your Mr. Right online, as you had mentioned, and you say in your book, um, and I found this very interesting, um, quote, my list proved to be a work in progress. The more men I met, the more deal breakers I added to it. Still, in the end, I realized that my list had functioned only as a framework, a crutch, that I could and did rely on all along the way. But ultimately, the list proved meaningless. When I met my Mr. Wright, deal breakers that I had sworn by for three years flew out the proverbial window. Tell us about that. Well, um, in my case, I had been pretty direct about I wanted to meet somebody who had the same political point of view. I didn't want to meet a man who had a kid who sometimes lived at home or always lived at home. I think these are important to have because, as I said in my book, and you mentioned, it does give you a framework. Otherwise, you're just all over the place. And I think we actually think in those terms, that we think we want to meet people who are very much like we are. But I found after a while that even if I went out with a man who didn't necessarily have the same political beliefs I had, as long as he wasn't trying to change me and I wasn't going to try to change him, well, in fact, we got along really well. And so I think it's a matter of you do it enough times and you start understanding the dynamics a little better. I mean, when I started dating again, I had been married for almost 25 years, so I was totally out of the system and it was a whole new process, not only because online dating was around and it hadn't been before, but I had to rediscover myself and understand myself better. And I think that's where the deal breakers came in also. I mean, there were some deal breakers, of course, that I would never change my mind about. But ultimately, what I wanted was a man who had the same sort of value system that I had. It wasn't so much, I realized, about politics or whether there was a kid who lived at home some of the time or all of the time, but that we we had the same values and we had the chemistry, which is also something that you can't really describe in a profile. Yeah, values, compatibility of values, I think, is, is just front and center in terms of the way we go about things. Julie, as a cyber dating expert, what do you feel about lists of must-haves and deal-breakers? I think they're important. I think, you know, I can say I tell people to cast a wide net, and that's important in meeting people because not every man that you meet is going to be the one, but he might be the one that has a friend. He might be the one that has a business opportunity for you. He might be the one that might invite you to a party, and then you might meet someone. But when it really comes down to finding your mate, the more specific you are, the better off you are because then you're tossing away the ones that you're not going to be compatible with. I think it's a very important point. Great. Now, Dale, in terms of writing an online profile, you say, don't say it when you can show it. Can you give us some examples? Yes, I definitely can. I like to use the example of everyone says they have a sense of humor. And I, I remember all the times that I went out with a man who said he had a sense of humor, and, of course, I said that I had a sense of humor. And then I would say something funny, and he wouldn't laugh. And so I thought to myself, well, you know, everybody has a sense of humor, and everybody's going to say it in their profile, but not everybody has the same sense of humor. 
So if you can say something funny that you think is funny in your profile rather than say I have a sense of humor and the other person gets it, then you know Mm -hmm. that at least in terms of sense, sense of humors that the two of you are compatible. I see. Now, you also, Dale, recommend that in your online profile you describe what you're looking for in a partner and in your life as opposed to describing who you think you are. Can you, can you tell us about that? Well, I, I didn't realize that that was the case and that, in fact, I, w- I was doing that, but I didn't realize how important it was until Peter, the man who I'm, I'm with, my Mr. Wright, pointed that out to me. When he read my profile, he his in his first email he said that it was one of the best profiles he had read because I was saying who I was looking for in a man. And he said, I think you're looking for me. And he said about when somebody writes about who they are, he felt like that's something that the other person will decide when they meet you. So, and I also think when I thought about it afterwards, because I am a writer, I think it's just more engaging to the reader to be reading about themselves. Now, obviously, if you say, I'm looking for a man who likes to ski, well, the assumption is that you like to ski. But it's a much more engaging way of approaching a profile by talking about the other person. But you'd be surprised how many women will say that they like to golf when they really don't golf at all. They're just hoping to get a country club guy. Right, or the men wow. who say they the men who say they they do yoga and then you say to them, Oh, you do yoga and they say, Yeah, I tried it once in college. So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's true. You have to well, yes, I mean I think the the basis of this is that you you want to be honest when when you talk about the man you're looking for. So you might want to say, I'm looking for a man who belongs to a country club. You can't quite say that on a profile because then the men start screaming, Oh, she's a gold digger, she says she wants a country club man. Yeah, well, sooner or later they'll realize you're a gold digger. So I say, you know, like, put it on the table pretty early. So, Julie, tell me about what you think. Were you in your experience, and I know that you, um, is your experience personally as well as as an expert, what um, what do you think about, um, you know, in your online profile describing what you're looking for in a partner and in your life as opposed to describing who you think you are? Is that something you've run across or... um, I think the profile, you know, I look at online dating profiles because because I write them and I work with singles on creating their irresistible profiles. And I look at that as your business resume for your personal life. And when I think about people that are looking for a job and they're looking for their dream job and they make sure that their resume is proofread and they make sure that they're applying to the best dream jobs out there and suddenly they go online and they put a fuzzy picture up or a picture with somebody's arm around them and then they have a profile that's filled with typos and grammatical errors and I I Mm -hmm. say to myself why if your personal life is going to be with somebody that you meet online that you hopefully are going to spend the rest of your life with whereas you might be in this job for you know a year and a half to 3 years why are people paying more attention to their careers and not 
giving the same level of professionalism to their profiles. So I think that you really need to make sure that you are putting your best foot forward and that the snapshot somebody gets of you when they instantly look at you is something that is inviting, that's something that will pique their curiosity to want to email you, to be looking forward to your reply. I also think that what happens is that everybody says they're honest and sincere. I really recommend to to people that they tell it when they talk about themselves and and obviously you have to say some things about who you are besides what you're looking for but i always suggest to people that they think of something that that nobody else knows about them or the most interesting thing about them that they can describe in their profile rather than just have all these platitudes of I'm honest, I'm sincere, I have a sense of humor, I uh, I care about my children and my family. So I, I find that to be an other important element to the profile. Oh, those are some great insights. Are there any other top tips regarding writing online profiles that, that either of you can, that both of you can share with our listeners? Well, first of all, I, I really tell people to, Take a good look at your profile and make sure it's not too long. And, and one of my little sayings is leave the novel at home. But you'd be surprised that some of these men start to pour their hearts out, paragraph after paragraph after paragraph, about a woman that's done them wrong, about the spousal support they have to pay. And, and, they, start to really? fill, <laughs> and they start to fill their profiles with negative statements. And that's really, really bad. You need to leave the negativity at home. If you have a sarcastic type of humor, not everyone is going to get it. But if you'd be surprised that men will write and they'll talk about what they're not looking for. And I say delete that from your profile and really talk about who you are, your most positive traits, what you're looking for, what really you know makes you smile. Think about what makes you smile, whether it's a trip that you took to South America or whether it was a trip you took to Santa Barbara or just antiquing for a day, whatever it is, smile when you're writing your profile and put down something about you that's really positive. I, I, I love that. What makes you smile? I think that's what makes you smile. I think that's really insightful. Um, Dale, did you have any um, top tips regarding writing online profiles? I, I thoroughly agree with Julie. I'm always opposed when I, appalled when I see all the negativity that people write. Or uh, don't be a women will often say, "I'm not looking for a player." So, <laughs> well, nobody is. Or I'm looking for somebody who takes good care of himself. Well, I never met a man who didn't think he took good care of himself. So I think people have to be very analytical about what they write. Um, they and and I also feel profiles are works in progress. That you should not feel that simply because you spent a lot of time writing it at the beginning that you shouldn't always be looking at it and revising it when you think it it's the right thing to do. Interesting. Now, Dale, you write, um, you know, to, to jump to even something else, you write, I knew instinctively that I couldn't sit back and wait for men to contact me, and my instincts were correct. Most men, especially those of a certain age, don't need to contact women. They can just sit back and wait for the women to contact them. 
As a rule, then, I found that the men who did contact me were not men I wanted to meet. Can you tell us about that? Well, I think the men, especially when they're they're first online, they, they get a tremendous number of responses from women. And so I think the men who then start writing to women are men who have been around the block a few times and are, are feeling... A, a tad needy. I also feel that I speak to a lot of women who say, I can't, I've been online for two years and, and I can't meet anybody interesting. Every man who writes to me, I have nothing in common with them. And I say to them, well, how many, how many men have you written to first? And they say, oh, I don't do that. But to me, the idea is to take control, to, to, feel that that you can meet somebody by going to them first. And that was where I felt that I had my best successes because I screened the men first. I didn't wait for a man to write to me. And so I knew what I was looking for, and I searched it out first. So I I wrote to, to hundreds of men, thousands of men probably, um, because I wanted to be in the driver's seat, so to speak. And did the the man that you ended up with now is he, did you did you write to him or did he yes, write to you? I did. No, I wrote you, to him. Okay. You initiated yeah. contact with him. Okay. Yes. Julie, as a as a cyber dating expert, what do you think of women initiating contact with men online? What are your thoughts on that? My thoughts are as a woman gets older, she needs to start initiating because in her 20s or 30s, her inbox is going to be very full and she doesn't have to initiate contact and chances are she'll meet some quality guys. But as you get older, the men have a much wider selection of age ranges for to pick from for a, a woman. So as you get older, you will notice that you're not getting as many emails. So I tell women it's fine to go ahead and select men that you'd like to write to. But as soon as you make contact, you need to you need to take a step back and let the man do the rest of the courtship and let the man be the man. Uh, so let the man pursue, but um, but after but the woman can go. You know, in in your mind, it's especially at certain ages, it's beneficial for women to actually initiate the contact, but after doing so, to step back and. Um, let the men pursue? Yes, I, I do believe that. And, Jess, we know that the important thing that women need to understand when they go, oh, I'm not writing to a man, there are some great men out there that are really busy, and maybe they haven't had time to find you, and they're flattered. They are really flattered when an attractive, intelligent woman writes to them. You know, it's good for their ego. And a real man, will go. To, he will pursue that woman who has flirted with him by, by initiating contact. So it is flattering for a man. Great. Um, now, Julie, you wrote, um, I'm a believer that sometimes we're on a need-to-know basis, and I wonder why sometimes people reveal information that's rather personal in nature. And then you later wrote, I always explain to my dates that I ration my information flow. Tell us about that. Yes, uh, rationing my information flow. That's something I've done from the beginning. Because we are in such a public world now with the public Internet, and there's very few secrets secrets that people are, are going to Google you, but there still needs to be an information flow that is just kind of moves at a slower pace. A man really needs to put 
all of his, you know, cards on the table of who he is, what does he do, where does he work. But as a woman, I feel a little more private, and I sort of just ease a little bit out at a time rather than just dumping my entire life story. And the reason I do that is because, for instance, I wrote a book. I never tell the man about my book before going on a date because they're going to run the other way. So I might say, yes, I'm a published author. What did you write? I'll tell you about it if I meet you. And then I don't want a man Googling me, reading a book, my book, before the date, you know, coming to their own conclusions of who I am without even having a chance to meet me in real life. So that's why I think it's important to sort of just give the information out slower. There's no reason for any woman who's divorced to have to tell a man on the phone or in an email that she hasn't met all about her long, drawn-out divorce. Eventually, if you're in a relationship, it will come out. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, do you have any thoughts regarding um, this issue at all? Oh, I I definitely do. I, I agree with Julie that over the phone or on, in an email um, or are not the places to give out information. Um, and I also feel that there should be very few email interactions and very few phone interactions before you actually meet. Now, this may be an age thing also <laughs> because I felt that I didn't have a lot of time to to waste. But um, I, I also felt that when I met somebody, I was very much, um, I'm, and I've always been this way in my personal life, I, I go with my instincts and I do believe in first impressions and I go with that. So if I met a man that at the first meeting who I knew right off the bat I wasn't interested in seeing again, I would let him do most of the talking, and I would not give out information about myself. But if I if I felt that there was some potential there, I wanted to put a lot on the table so they would know who I was. And then we'd we'd go from there. But I was not one to spend a lot of time with emails. I felt like two emails at the most, two phone conversations at the most. And I would never go out with a man who I didn't talk to on the phone first. I was really um, surprised at how much you can get from a phone conversation. And very often I would be so turned off to to that man, that I would just say it was great talking to you, but I don't think we should meet. So my mantra was next. I was very much into uh, moving on if I didn't feel that this was the right person for me. Ah, Julie, what do you think about that you know, first contact online and then meeting? What, um, what do you recommend to your clients or based on your, pers- based on yep. your personal experience? Um, you know, what did you think in, term, in terms of emails and phone calls between that online contact and then the ultimate meeting? My my recommendations are very similar to Dale's, and I tell people that one or two emails and then a phone call. And if you don't have any phone chemistry and you're sort of, you know, dead air and pulling teeth, then don't bother putting your makeup and clothes on and meeting this person. You're not going to have any chemistry in person. So you really need to pass sort of the email test and make sure that they're, you know, literate and, you know, seem to be interesting. And then get to a phone call. Never 
give out your home phone number, but if you can give them your cell phone number and they call you on your cell phone, talk for no more than 20 minutes. It's not a date. It's a pre-qualifier for a date. And then after 20 minutes, if he's not saying, let's get together for lunch next week, and he says, well, I'll call you again, you know, how many times are you going to put up with, I'll call you again, I'll call you again? After one phone call, to the most, you should have a date on the calendar because it's really important to look at online dating as a tool to meet someone in real life. So the sooner you can move your, your online relationship to offline, the sooner you'll know whether there is a connection or a match. I was amazed. I don't know whether you feel the same way, Julie, but I was amazed at the number of men who just seemed unable to commit to a date. And I used to joke about it. I used to say they're probably on house arrest or <laughs> they they could be married because all they wanted to do was be a phone pal and they could never come around to going out. Or they would commit to a date and then they would call and they would say, oh, I can't make it or, oh, I have to be out of town. I I could not deal with that at all. Well, my, it's my belief that if somebody cancels a date on you twice, once, you know, okay, twice, there's something going on, there's someone else, and if they're only making plans for you for weekdays and never on a weekend, there is someone else, and they could be married. Right, exactly. Right, and also um, that mention of the home phone number, I think that was a great mention. And the reason you say that is just is because people can go ahead and trace the home number to an address. Is that the yes? And you know, it's safety safety in the internet is really one of my hot buttons. And, you know, it's very important that I tell people when they go on on dates to please meet in a public place. Tell a friend, tell a girlfriend where you're going. Who you're going with, well, as much as you know about them, sometimes you only know their screen name, but who, are you, who you're going with, where you're going. And I tell, I tell all the ladies, take a little restroom break and bring your cell phone with you and you know, check in on your buddy system. Check in with a girlfriend and say, by the way, my date's going really well. I'm having a nice time. Or check in and say, not going so well. I think I'm going to leave. And if you ever feel uncomfortable on a date, leave. You owe them nothing. Listen to your intuition and your gut on that one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Safety is very important. Um, now, what do each of you think are the? And I know you know you had mentioned before in terms of the biggest and most typical online dating mistakes that you've seen people make, both men and women. Um, and I know you've mentioned the negativity before, but um, but please, you know, any any things that you just tend to keep coming across, or both professionally and personally, um, you know, in terms of mistakes people can avoid and mitigate? Well, I think that women shouldn't chase men over and over again. If you meet a man and you initiate contact with him and you have a date with him and it goes well, let him contact you. Don't email him or text message him and say, I had a good time, when are we getting together again? Because you will appear as very needy and the man has so many other choices, he's going to ignore the needy one. And I might add, we didn't talk about this, but um, are only alluded to it. You know, I I think that the number of times that I met men who did not look at all like their photographs, um, to me that is so horrible. And and men find, you know, men say that women do that more than they do, and that's probably true. But um, I think the worst thing is when you walk, you know, you see someone coming towards you and you go, oh, my goodness, 
that better not be the person I saw in the photograph. So I think the the, the biggest honesty thing is is recent and accurate photos. And that's really important. And I think there's certain checks and balances now that have really been put in place because of the popularity of Facebook. 400 million people on Facebook, multi-generational, grandchildren, grandparents. So if the Facebook photos, which are recent, it might be a birthday party or an event, don't match up to the online dating profiles, someone can get you know figured out pretty quickly because of the popularity of the social networking sites. Yes. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. And what about pictures? Have you seen, um, you know, I know you'd meant, uh, there was a mention of blurry pictures before. What are some other suggestions uh, both of you have about posting pictures um, online? Well, I always say that it should be a headshot um, and full body shots. No matter what your body type is, I think it's, it's very important. I personally, because I'm not a big pet lover, if I saw a man holding a dog, I wouldn't be that interested in him. Although I hear women say, but that that says that a, that the guy is really caring. And what I, I didn't like that. I certainly didn't like photos of men with their children, or or I think Julie alluded to the cut-off bodies at the side or an arm hanging over, or these very distant photos when somebody took a trip and you see them in a, up on a hill. Um, so those are all my pet peeves about photos. And I, and I agree with Dale. I, I tell people that you really should have minimum of two photos. One is the first one is the headshot, and the second one is the body shot. But three to five are more ideal, and so they can see you in different situations. And I am surprised when I see these party shots. Like a man's profile photo will have him and another guy, and so I'm supposed to figure out which one is the guy <laughs> that's looking for the date. And then you know what? And it turns out that it's his brother. Well, how are we to know that? So I think that the profile photos are the most important thing because for a woman, we have to really realize these men are visual. They like what they see or they don't. And not everybody wants a size zero skinny person and not everybody wants someone that's, you know, on the heavier side. But there are men that really want you. You will be found by a terrific guy if you just become authentic in your representation and you put real photos and you just talk about yourself from your heart and your soul. I think three to five photos is really good. Um, I don't think men who have taken a photography class necessarily need to have ten of their favorite sunsets. And I've always been amazed at that where where people post photos that have nothing to do with themselves that have don't even have them in in the photos. Oh, don't even have the people. It's um yes. yeah, like or, somebody oh, says, "Oh, I'm interested in photography," and then he thinks that he should put 10 of his the photographs that he's taken on a trip, but it doesn't have him in it, but it's just sort of an artistic representation it, it's interesting i mean you see some very strange things we talk about the pets we talk about the pets and and i'll tell you the only time i'd want to see somebody's pet is if i was a member of the online dating site datemypet.com 
And outside of that, I don't want to see a man and his dog because I will think that this is the dog that sleeps in bed with him every night. That's my visual. Yeah. Not a nice one. Well, speaking of strangest um, or funniest or just favorite, I'd love for each of you to share your, again, funniest, strangest, or just favorite online dating story. I know you have quite a few from reading your books, um, very entertaining books, but um, but uh, throw out one or two of your favorites. Uh, Julie, Minister? Well, I, I would say one of, the, one of the strangest dates I had very early on was a man that went berserk in the restaurant because I looked like his dead wife. And it was a very sad story because he did have a wife who was a skinnier version of me who had passed away maybe a year or two earlier. But out of nowhere, it's something set him off in the middle of the restaurant, and he stood up and he said, she looks like my dead wife to people in the restaurant and was showing everybody pictures of the dead wife. And then his voice got louder and louder, and he kept repeating it. And I just looked at him and I said, I am just so sorry for your loss, and I left. So it was quite a scene, and it was definitely one of the stranger dates I've been on. I have also was on a date that I wrote about in the book where a man told me about his vasectomy, and I really thought, why did I need to know this? And if you're supposed to put your best foot forward in your first few minutes, that was not the best foot. Wow. Dale, <laughs> I know that's a tough well, one to follow. Well, it's hard to top those. <laughs> One of my one of my favorite stories is one of my first dates actually. Um, when I this this man asked me out for dinner, and and I learned quickly that it's probably better to just go for coffee and and have the requisite hour and not have to sit much through much longer. But when I got to the restaurant, he was already seated, and. He didn't stand up when I got to the table, but then, you know, I thought, well, you know, that's so old-fashioned. He doesn't have to do that. And we had an okay dinner, but I I just knew that I wasn't that interested in him and wouldn't see him again. So when it was time to leave and we both had to stand up, as he stood up, he threw his arms up sort of in that victory sign, and I thought, oh, my goodness. With his arms up, he's 5'10". But if he puts his arms down, you know, and 5'10 was the height he said he was, but with his arms down, he was probably about 5'4". And that was my first indication that men typically lie about their height. So that was that was. visually it was such a funny thing for me because here's this very short guy who I had no idea was so short with his arms up to sort of give the illusion that he's taller. Now, the best story I ever heard was of a woman who, not the best best, but the worst best, a woman who um, went out with this man who she met online and he got arrested there was a warrant out for his arrest, I suppose, and uh, somebody came up and arrested him right in the middle of the date. During the date, in the middle yes. of the date. Yes. 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 Wow. I have that story on my site too, under the peril of the week. There was a woman who actually was on a date, and the man got arrested and brought to jail, uh-huh. and and they and they called her asking her to bail him out. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. I didn't. I didn't have that story. So interestingly, so you had meant, um, I think 
I think Gail, you mentioned you just mentioned with one of your stories about the gentleman who um, who's five ten played I guess closer to a five four. I'm just curious because I have you know in terms of misrepresentation, what um, whether it be height or or anything else, what what percentage did you guess both of you um, have had extensive personal experience as well as professional experience with with online dating? I, I'm curious as to you know what percentage would you say of of gentlemen you were in contact with. Um, would you believe misrepresented something um, like that? Well, they say statistically that one-third of the men that are saying they're single are really married, and that, that is a statistic. But there are sites for them, such as Ashley Madison, where they can go with permission and, and find other married people to date, fool around with, whatever. But, uh, you know, age... Age and weight for women is a big deal, where you'll see people that will take 5 to 10 to 15 years, pounds off. But for men, it's the height, just right? Men will always take, you know, if they're short, they will add 2 inches to their height minimally. It's just the number, they add 2 inches. So height, uh, if their pictures are old, chances are they have more hair in the picture than they do in real life. And quite often a man will lie about his financial status to try and, feel that he can afford to buy any woman in town. Mm. Now, in, um, I think, Dale, um, so I think when you had mentioned in terms of your, in terms of the story, um, you know, a coffee date uh, versus a dinner date, I'd love for both of you to weigh in um, on what, you know, your opinions are as to, as to you know, sort of the best first date um, when one's meeting someone they met online. What are some ideas you might have for the best first date? Or first meeting, I guess. Well, I th- I think you know just going for coffee or or a drink is is just the best way to to go about it because um, you just don't have the the time commitment. And I think if you meet somebody and you know right away that that they're not right for you, I mean you can. I've heard of stories where where especially when a man sees a woman who does not look at all like her photograph, they'll often just turn around and bolt. They won't even be polite and spend an hour over a cup of coffee. Um, I would typically spend about an hour with somebody. Um, but but the idea of, of just having dinner with somebody and having to often spend you know up to two hours because the service is slow or whatever is just deadly. I mean, I just, I, I just found I wanted to make it brief. I, I used to like to go someplace where I could put money in a meter, so I could say, "Oops, my hour is up." And then, if I was having a good time and I wanted to spend more time, I would say, "I'll just run out and put some more money in the meter." Now, of course, the guy could say, "Well, no, that's okay. You know, I'll, we we can go. Don't bother putting money in the meter." Then you know that that's that's it for for that guy. But um, that was that was my favorite thing to do to keep it really time uh, to keep a time constraint because to me that's just a meeting that's an interview and then you can plan for something bigger for the for the real first date. Interesting. And did you also Well, you know, it's interesting. Everybody's really busy, and so we have to make sure that we are making the best use of our free time, whatever little free time we have. I tend to actually pre-qualify people on the phone, and I tell my clients to do the same. 
And so by the time I get to the first date, we've at least had a really good phone call where there's been some phone chemistry and a camaraderie and a feeling of comfort so that when I meet this person in real life, chances are it will more often than not at least be a pleasant lunch. I try to avoid dinner dates and I try to avoid coffee dates. And the reason I avoid coffee dates is for me, they just never really worked out. And I'd like to spend more than 20 minutes with someone getting to know them. But again, only after I've spent time on the phone. So if a man writes to you in a cold call email and says, let's have dinner, and you haven't even spoken on the phone or even had an email exchange, it's just not the way to approach a woman. I would ignore that one because you really, it's courting. It's just courting with a modern-day twist in a computer or a PDA. And speaking of courting, um, you know, I'd love, I'm sure that uh, the men and uh, the men of our listeners would appreciate any um, any insights along those lines of, of you know, what what you think, you know, um, any insights for them in terms of courting and in terms of uh, you know approaching women online. Do either of you have any anything to share with our male listeners along those lines? I think it's really important for the men to write an email that doesn't say hi or hello in the subject matter or no subject. So in other words, one of my names was Paperback Writer because of the wrote a book. And so one of the guys who wrote to me wrote in his subject, Penny Lane. I thought that was so adorable and charming. He knew I wrote a Beatles song. He wrote one of his favorite Beatles songs, Penny Lane. Obviously, I was going to open his email. And okay. I'm, I'm especially, I was especially appalled by men who would send what were entirely form formulated emails that were very long that I knew they just hit the button and, and sent it to everybody that had nothing to get me to realize or know that they had even read my profile. So I I don't know why men do well, I do know why men do that, but I think it's a very bad first uh, first contact with a woman. I think a man should send a short email, but something that really identifies what it was, the reason why he wrote to you, what it was about your profile that interested him. Uh, really personalize it then to uh, to the person to whom you're writing their profile and picking right. up. Right, and they don't have person. to repeat what's already in their profile because that will be read. I think it's just saying something that really makes the woman feel that he was paying attention. Yes, I agree. It's very important. There's always something in your profile that a man is going to resonate with, and whatever that is, he should put that in the very first sentence when he writes to you. And these people that copy and paste the same email over and over again, not only do they do it to you and numerous other women because it's a numbers game, but Years later, if you happen to go back online and you've, you know, suddenly your relationship hasn't worked out and you go back online, those same guys will write to you with the same email they had used years earlier. And I don't understand how they haven't realized that we've caught on to that. So copy plus, copy plus paste equals erase. Hmm. 
Well, that's great for our male listeners to have those insights. What about our, our, our uh, female listeners? Anything that, um, in particular that you can share with them that you think might be helpful as they um, go through their online dating efforts? Well, I think it's really important to be organized. If you are a brand-new profile, and when you go up on any of these sites, and most women now are, and men are going on two to three sites at a time now. They aren't just picking one site anymore. They are usually picking one major site, such as Match.com, a niche site, perhaps JDate, and a free site, perhaps Plenty of Fish or OkCupid. So if you're going to be juggling three different online dating sites and you're going to be brand new where you're going to get hundreds of emails a day, you need to be organized. And so I recommend that single women and single men put together whatever organizational system works for them. I use a Microsoft Excel spreadsheet, and it's numbered, it's dated, it's got the screen name, age, height, weight, you name it, profession, and then I color code it. And whoever is the most interesting of that group, I will color code and highlight it. So then it gives me an opportunity to really wane it down to perhaps five that I might really want to meet. But if you're getting so many emails, don't get overwhelmed by it. Just learn how to manage it. There is one there for you. I would totally agree with that. And I think it's really a matter of always being positive, being willing to accept rejections, but just keep moving on because, as Julie said, it is a numbers game. And the faster you get through those numbers, um, the sooner you'll meet the person you're looking for. Wonderful. Well, this time has gone by quite fast, and I'd like to thank both Dale and Julie for joining us today. And again, um, Dale's book is The Intelligent Woman's Guide to Online Dating, and Julie's um, is The Perils of Cyber Dating, both uh, great books. And um, in case you joined us late or would just like to share the show with people in your life, I'd like to remind you that today's show will be archived and available as a podcast on Intersections Matchmaking's website, which is www.intersectionsmatch.com, and I can be reached at jasbina at intersectionsmatch.com. And appreciate your hanging out with us. Do email me with topics you'd like discussed in future shows. And make sure to join us for next month's show on Sunday, March 21st at 7 p.m. Eastern, and our topic um, in March will be Relationships from a Man's Perspective. We'll be talking to Elliot Katz, author of the book entitled Being the Strong Man a Woman Wants. Take care, everyone. <laughs>